0: This is episode 10 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is digital marketing specialist, Hank Hoffmeyer. Let's get it started.
1: Just get started.
0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people from all across the globe that really have the same mindset, is that they want to be absolutely fulfilled each and every day with what they're doing. So whether that's starting their own business and venturing out on their own to maybe it's a little side hustle, side project, a new skill they want to learn, or maybe it's getting the best shape of their life, who knows? the whole point is that they took that first step and now they've started on this different path in life. They weren't settled with just where they were. And that's, that's where I hope you guys get encouragement on this episode as well as others that you're going to learn from a lot of these individuals, a lot of their successes as well as failures and take a lot of the practical advice that they give that can help you on your own way. So, Take little nuggets each away, you know, the the, the, the little breadcrumbs um, that we leave in each and every episode, and hopefully as you take those back to your life, it's going to give you more confidence to go out and keep achieving um, that fulfillment and ultimately be the happiest that you can potentially be. Okay, kids, so let's jump into the interview today with my guest, Hank Hoffmeyer. His last name is spelled H-O-F-F-M-E-I-E-R. And Hank can be found online, really everywhere, um, hankhoffmeyer.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Um, he's a manager of strategic services at iContact, as well as a podcaster, a speaker. Um, he's an author. His new book just came out. So he's doing a lot of different things. He dabbles in a variety of things that you know really keep him energized each and every day. Um, And that's actually what we get into um, in part of the interview early on is around planning each and every day. How does he stay focused um, so that he can get a lot done throughout? I know you guys will enjoy um, a lot of the different things we talked about, a lot of great practical advice, especially if you are a business owner. We talk about branding and marketing and the like. So sit back and relax. I hope you guys enjoy the interview today with my guest, Hank Hoffmeyer. Let's get it started. Hank, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining no problem it's great to be here No, I appreciate it and this is actually the first uh the first one I'm able to do in person, so it's kind of cool to actually be face to face with someone and uh, have this conversation um, but let's get so let's jump right in because. I want to first talk about your role, um, kind of what you do, kind of I'll call it full-time, and then all the other things that you're doing and talk about some practical g- advice I think you can give folks. But give, me, give me the folks 30 seconds maybe, um, a little overview of what you're doing day-to-day um, so that they can have some context around the conversation.
1: Well, while speaking and someone introduces me, they'll say I'm a speaker, author, and I'm the strategic insights manager at iContact. And a lot of times people don't know what that means. At iContact, which provides email marketing and marketing automation solutions, I'm responsible for making sure marketers have the tools they need to attract and retain customers through the use of marketing automation or email marketing while avoiding costly mistakes. Basically, I work for every department here. If a client needs help with something, whether it's strategy or something technical, I'm going to help. And I'm really passionate about working with our marketing team, where where I speak at conferences and I do webinars, workshops, anything else that's going to help businesses grow through the use of digital marketing. But that's me in a nutshell. That's what I do here at iContact. And also, anytime I have free time, I'm creating more content. I have a podcast, Hank's Marketing and Business Tips. I blog often and I just talk to people in general about being a better person, whether it's in business or personally being
0: uh, proficient in what you do or just becoming knowledgeable. Well, that's great. I know you're involved in a lot of different stuff. And uh, what was that word you're you're telling me a little earlier that you used for?
1: uh... Right. I I don't think I coined this, but I've never really heard it in the past, but I call myself a work of frolic. I, I really love what I do. My family supports my passions and it's just something that doesn't really detract from my life per se. I know many people talk about a work-life balance. When you go into work at 9 o'clock and you leave at 5, there's that switch that turns on and off where my family and I realize if there's things we want in life, whether it's travel, you know, a decent car, good meals, I have to work for that. And I want to develop my skill set and my knowledge so that I'm ultimately helpful For whoever I'm talking to, whatever that audience is, a small business owner, a friend that wants to start a website or anything that they want to do better, I need to make sure that I'm available. And it could be at 9 o'clock at night. It could be 7 o'clock in the morning. But I also know that I need to recharge my batteries. Therefore, I'll take time off and I'll travel. Uh, We love to go to Europe every now and then, and my wife is an excellent travel planner where she gets these great deals. And we would rather go to Europe for six to eight weeks for the same cost it would be to go to Disney for two. Uh, think about that, especially if you travel and you're used to going to the same places every year, look into doing different things and don't be afraid of the cost because it can always be lower than what you think it is. It's all about planning. But for me, I just love what I do. Therefore, it's not work. That's why the role I'm in with eye contact fits me perfectly. I'm helping others, whether it's the company, the customer, or the awesome team that works here.
0: That's awesome. And and actually, I had a note down here to talk about the – you have the daily planner, I know, on your website. Um, You actually – that sparked a thought when you're talking about planning for trips and stuff like that. Can you give a little idea of why it's so important to be organized, especially when you're doing, you know, a handful of different things throughout the day and and how people can be better organized? Maybe a couple tips for them. I
1: like to think of myself as somewhat organized. I I, I have – I call it organized chaos, right? I have a lot of fires that come up during the day. Sometimes I'll need to drop what I'm doing, whether it's a project or a task, and take care of that immediate fire that needs to be put out. But I build that into my day. I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm in the 5 a.m. club, which my wife does not want to belong to. She always tries to revoke that membership card, but sometimes she gets up with me. I get up, I exercise because that's important. I want to make sure I stay healthy and that's the only time I can do it. I don't want to make any excuses. I come into the office early to beat traffic and I'm here before a majority of people get into the office and I'm able to start working on those large projects and be, I guess, not hindered by somebody coming over and saying, Hey, I need something. And then I work through the day and my fires come up. And then maybe in the afternoon I'll work on another large project. Or sometimes I'll wrap it up a little bit early. I'll go home and do something at night. I was looking for a planner to use to start organizing my day. And I would find these different planners that had elements that I wanted in each one. But they all were not in one particular planner. And I want to back up because I used two methods. I use a paper planner and I also use digital planner tasks in iOS to mark down little things that I need to get done, pick up this or do this, update this website with this information where the planner is more of my projects and then reassuring affirmations and gratitude. Uh, I developed my own template for a planner page and I went to uh, Target and I bought a three ring binder for like $3 to put it in. It was real cool. It's like a travel binder. So small, I think it's like three by eight. And what I did is I put all the elements that I wanted in a planner on this page. And it starts out with things that I'm grateful for. The next section is things I'm excited about. The next is an affirmation message. What am I gonna do today? What am I gonna get done? And then there's a question, did I exercise, yes or no? Then it moves into the top five projects or tasks that I need to get done that day without question. And then below that, I have an area that talks about what were my wins for the day, And then my plan for tomorrow. I'm already thinking about the next day. And then at the bottom, I have these little uh, pictures of water glasses. And I think there's 12 of them there. And I check off how many glasses of water I had. On my way in, I'm already drinking four glasses of water. Immediately, I can check four off. I have that on my website. Feel free to stop by and take a look at it, HankHoffMeyer.com.
0: Awesome. And, you know, that I think planning and and not only we talk about, you know, goal setting, I've talked about, you know, throughout the the podcast, but just being able to understand what am I going to do each day and checking those off the list. It kind of keeps you motivated throughout the day. I'll tell you what, let's, I'm jumping around as I normally do. Um, Let's go talk about your book because you just published a book recently, and I like the planning tying into, especially with business owners, how they can work through, again, not only growing a business but whether they're branding or whatever it might be. Um, One, with the book, can you give maybe a quick overview of that, and then we'll go into a couple of the key fundamentals that I found might be important for a few folks.
1: The title of the book is The ABCs of the Customer Journey, A Beginner's Guide to Automation, Branding, and Customer Service. In my opinion, these are three pillars that a small company or somebody that's looking to start a company needs in order to succeed. Or if you're already in business, go back and take a look at these because ultimately, this is what helps you succeed. This is more of an inspiration and more of the why more than the how. I don't get into the weeds of how to set up automation or how to brand your company, but more of... The information of why you need to be doing that and inspiring you to take a look at doing it better or just getting started. It's something that I wanted to put out there into the world to help people that want to start or grow a business.
0: Okay, awesome. So can we dive into a little bit, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because the word branding, I think it's so overblown nowadays. It's And I talk with a lot of small business owners. i like, oh, well, Brian, I have a website. I have a logo. Like, I, I have branding is... That's not the case. There's a lot more to it than that. Can you give a little more insight, maybe even some practical advice of, hey, these are the two or three things to watch out for when you are trying to brand your business?
1: Branding is how people react, feel, think when they see your company. And that could be your logo. It could be your messaging. It could be your voice when you – greet somebody if they come into your retail location if you have one. It really just embodies everything that you do as a business. It could be the font that you choose if you have letterhead or on your website. It can be, again, your logo, the colors you use, the shapes you use. Whatever it is you're using creates some kind of a feeling or thought with whoever's seeing that. And it needs to be cohesive across social media, your website, and again, in person, your business card. It needs to be or have the same or similar messaging and give people the same type of thought. Because if I see one type of logo on, say, somebody's Twitter account, and then I go to their website, I may think something's wrong there, and I might not tie the two together. Therefore, it's going to create friction or make me not want to do business or talk to you.
0: Okay. And it also ties into, you know, customer service. And I know that's a part you talk about in the book. You know, the term raving fans gets used a lot in a lot of company cultures, and we're raving fans. I don't know how many actually read the book. I had to read it when I was in college. It's a great book. But um, what are your thoughts, or what do you do with the team here at Eye Contact, or maybe some stuff you know on your own in terms of customer service, taking care of the client, and kind of being cust- you know, customer-centric is the term that's used a lot these days. All right. Everything is about experiences.
1: Humans, by nature, want to have positive experiences, and they want what they want when they want it. We need to give it to them. If you're in a bit if you're in business whether it's selling products or a service, give the customer what they want. We're all worried about doing things that we want or trying to convert a sale or trying to not allow somebody to return a product, right? Because it's going to hurt our our ROI or our profit. Look at it from the customer's perspective. Make sure they're happy. A lot of times we always think every experience happens with that one person or that one customer. But in reality, when they have a positive or a negative uh, experience happen, they're gonna talk about it. Especially if it's negative, they're gonna tell more people. And now with social media, everything's amplified 10 or more fold. What you wanna do is create those positive experiences so that people talk about you in a positive manner and that they just feel like everything is being done for them. I had a discussion with somebody from support this morning, and we are just talking about restaurants and the experiences you have there. You know, you can have a bad meal, a cold meal, bad service, not have your your drinks filled. That can be controlled or you can make up for it. And one situation this morning, uh, the support person felt like they were not treated right and the experience was horrible. They tried to make up for a horrible experience with a small, thin piece of cake where I went to a restaurant. My daughter has a dairy allergy, and we asked for a hamburger, and they brought a cheeseburger. They immediately went back. They had to recook the meal. We already had our food, the rest of the family. The manager came over with a plate of fries and said, here, I want your daughter to eat something while she's waiting, and we're not going to charge you for her meal. That was a great experience, and I'm going to remember that, and I'm saying it here. I said it this morning, and I may say it again in the future. The person in support that had that bad experience... There, uh, he's going to tell other people but they're not going to want to go to that restaurant where the one I went to, which is Texas Steakhouse, you know, people will probably go there because of the
0: experience I had. Yeah, And, you know, I, I use the term in, well, I don't use, it's not my term but the term I use a lot is lifetime engagement. You know, folks, I think, sometimes business owners or, or whoever it might be think of the short gain, like, oh, maybe that client comes on, but if it's not the right fit up front if it's not the right partnership, down the road, as you're saying, it's going to be a bad experience right. and, and almost like a, a bad divorce type thing
1: i I think it's important to know don't treat your customers as being transactional they buy something they buy something they buy something think of it as they're buying an experience and hopefully it's going to be habitual in other words you want to turn them into like you said raving fans so that they come back to you and refer you all the time create relationships rather than having transactional messaging
0: or transactional sales Okay, cool. And all right, so I'm going to pull you down the weeds a little bit because I, I really, I want your insight on marketing automation. And we'll get into this a little bit because I'm curious some of the, the speaking you've been doing, but a lot of business owners out there don't know what the heck to do when it comes to marketing their business properly. They, they just don't do it well. And they're wondering, hey, why am I not getting interest in my business? Why are we not getting new opportunities? Can you give maybe one or two of the key things they have to be doing today? And if they're not, they're, they're totally missing the boat on. I just spoke about marketing automation at a conference earlier this
1: week, and I feel that the conversation went well, and it was more of a why should you use marketing automation than the how, because that is the way for me to get the message out and get people to start using it, because more than half business owners don't use marketing automation right now. A lot of obstacles people talk about is it takes a long time to set up, or they don't know what they're doing. But what you can do is simply automate some of the things that you normally do manually, that are not something that you have to put a lot of detail in, or maybe a lot of um, what do you want to call it, like graphics or something like that. Uh, in other words, if somebody makes a purchase from you or has interest in working with you and they sign up for your email newsletter, you can automate the first four emails that go out. And the first one's a welcome email telling them what to expect. I send an email out once a month. You can expect coupons. You can expect information about my company. Just want to make sure you're in the know. And then the following week, it's an about my company. I was founded in 1989. I have 20 employees. Uh, here's Sally with her dog, a picture. Then the next one will be, here's what we do in our community. Uh, we love to give back. And the fourth one can be something else. Just those types of things you can automate because you create it once And let the automation system do the work for you. Or it could be checking to see if somebody's opened an email. Maybe you sent that welcome email I just spoke about. You can wait three days, check and see if somebody did not open an email and resend it with a different subject line in hopes that it will attract more attention. These are the little things you could do with automation right now that do not cost a lot of money and don't create a lot of work. But it saves you time in the long run. At the end of my conversation the other day, I also said you don't want to automate everything because then you can't keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening. A lot of times people with social media, they plan a lot of their posts for the month ahead. What happens if a trending topic comes up or something happens in the news that they can jump in on and start having a conversation? You need to manually do that and jump in. Same thing with automation. Every now and then, especially with email, you might want to send out that one-off email. Maybe it's even to one person or a group of people that just talks about one specific thing that's kind of hot right now.
0: And, you know, patience is something, you know, I've talked about a lot, and I think a lot of business owners, actually, it's funny, I had a coffee with a, a gentleman this morning, and we were talking about this a little bit around the ROI. If someone doesn't see a positive ROI so quickly, the instant gratification, they're like, ah, this doesn't work. What do you think in an expectation of a business owner is getting started today to actually do marketing automation and interact with clients potentially? What should be the time frame that, hey, just be patient until this is working or not? Is, is it a few weeks? Is it a couple months? Is it a year? What, what are you thinking is the time frame they should be at least be comfortable with?
1: What I would like to say is with marketing automation, you're actually nurturing your leads rather than just spraying out messages every now and then saying, buy from me, buy from me, buy from me. What you're actually doing is setting up that relationship and building trust so that people do eventually convert and buy from you or buy your service, right? If you nurture your leads, the statistic right now is you have, I think it's a 4,400% ROI, as compared to email marketing, you get a 44% ROI. So the results are going to be drastic. You know, if you're when you buy a car, do you walk onto a lot and just say, I want that one. You can buy it. Well, maybe if you did your research, you will. But really what you're going to do is you're going to test drive it. You're going you're to talk to the sales rep. They're going to talk to their manager. You may not buy that. You'll go to another dealer. And, you know, maybe you'll go back to the first one and say, hey, this other dealership has a better price. And you're having these conversations, right? And what you're doing is in your head, you're saying, do I trust this sales rep? Do I now have a relationship with them? Do they they understand what I want, what I want to buy, and are they going to help me? Do they have my best interest in mind? That's what nurturing is like. When you start sending out these emails and saying, "Hey, here's a little information about my company. Here's how we give back to the community. Oh, but we also sell this widget. Do you want to buy it?" That person's more apt to. Buy that widget because of the conversations that happened earlier. I know you wanted me to give timeframes, and and it's hard to say that. It really depends on what the listener is doing. Uh, If it's a service based relationship, it may take a little bit longer. If it's a product, it matters do they need it now, or can you convince them to need it because it's an impulse buy? But then again, if it's a great price, somebody's always going to convert. Whether you're just spraying out your your message, you know, using regular email, or if you're using automation. But like I said, what you want to do is create that habitual customer that's always going to come back to you or refer you, and maybe you can even get a testimonial to put on your website. I know I kind of you said get into weeds. I think I got
0: really <laughs> far into the weeds there. But. No, no, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, it, it goes. I mean, I think it goes back to the whole premise of like. You have to be patient in business. It's not going to happen overnight. Plus, the content has to be good, right? You can't just, as you're saying, the spray and pray, like, hey, I'm going to send out buy, 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 and hopefully someone gets it. It actually has to be meaningful content because people, listen, they can smell the BS nowadays a lot more than the consumer can, a lot more than they used to be. You actually have to bring them value, and they see you as an advisor and someone that could you know, help them with you know their particular need or problem. So right. absolutely agree with you there. Um, all right. So let's jump into speaking a little bit. So, you, yeah, you just spoke at the High Five Conference. Um, um, and something I actually read, I'll post this in the show notes, but I actually read um on one of your blog articles about changing from being a presenter to a speaker. And it seemed like in the past maybe you felt, hey, okay, I'm just kinda good learning the chops. Now it's more of I feel like I'm a speaker, I'm established more. Can you talk about that transition a little bit and, and we'll go into a little deeper after that.
1: Right. And my position with a staffing company, Kelly Services, prior to coming to Eye Contact, I, I did some workshops, I did some speaking there, and then with Eye Contact, I started doing a lot of webinars and workshops where you're teaching the how. It's more of teaching somebody how to do something. Where I feel my job is to inspire somebody to make a change so that they are vested in making that change and actually excelling and succeeding in what their goal is. Say that's marketing automation. If I sat in front of a group of a hundred people and told you how to use email marketing with bullet points on a slide deck, I'm going to put you to sleep. You're probably going to remember two or three things from my conversation. But if I tell you about the why and really inspire you to either get started or do more with marketing automation, if you're currently using it, my job is done. Therefore, I've invested heavily in learning more about becoming a better speaker than a presenter through workshops,
0: training, and more importantly, practicing. When did you realize, hey, I'm going to be a speaker? Like, This is something cool. I I never thought of this. When, When did that take form, do you think?
1: Probably about a year and a half, two years ago, I said I would love to be on stage more and make more of an impact and provide value to people that want to learn about email marketing, marketing automation, and I've also done some talks on travel.
0: Okay. So where did you get your training on for speaking? Was it just someone asked you one day, hey, can you speak at this particular event? And you're like, uh, sure. Or did you have some formal training and then that kind of led
1: to some gigs? Don't underestimate the power of networking, especially through LinkedIn. I reached out to some folks that are local or not local and asked them about their speaking experience and had conversations with them, picked their brains. I was also turned on to a local company owned by Alan Hoffler, Millswick Communications, where he had a two day he has a two day workshop that teaches you the fundamentals of speaking and I learned a lot from that course there. But the most important thing is practicing, whether it's when you're on the stage, before you get up on the stage, doing a webinar. Maybe it could be starting a podcast that really helps you stay in tune to what you're doing when you talk, reducing filler words, you know, the ums and the so's. I feel like I've done a really good job at that. Also paying attention to the gestures you're using with your hands and your body and making sure you're using good eye contact. Alan Hoffer calls it eye spray, where you, just, you have eye contact, but you're just going back and forth like a sprinkler kind of, where you need to really hone in on somebody's eyes for a couple seconds and then move on to someone else. Dramatic pauses. I've learned a lot from the workshop, but like I said, it's really just talking to a bunch of different people and finding out what their style is like and then making your own, whether it's pieces of other people's or whatever you like to do.
0: Tell us about the first experience you had speaking where you're on, on stage solo kind of going at it because I know one of the challenging things for a lot of people and probably listening to this and it was even for me like starting the podcast and other things is you're always afraid of, like what people are going to think and there's that nervousness about it. Can you talk about maybe some of the emotions you had that first time being up there in front of everyone and, and how you handled it?
1: It took me a while to get over and it wasn't just the first time. When I get up on stage, not now, but when I did early on, I would look into people's faces and see what they're doing. Whether it's just their eyes, are they really focused on in ears or focused on what I'm saying, or you know, do they have their head down in the phone? I took it personally. I thought it was not, it was me not really being interesting enough to go ahead and do that, and and especially if. I said something, and I feel like somebody didn't understand it. It was that one person that looked questioned, but maybe everyone else in the room got it. I honed in on that one person. I felt like I needed to back up and reiterate or explain further what I was talking about. I actually used to do that, and it would detract from the talk, and it started to be more like a town hall than it was an inspirational conversation. I think that that's important for anyone that wants to start speaking is – don't worry about what the audience thinks. You're doing a lot better than you thought you did. When you get done, you talk to people, you'll realize they got your message. There might be that one person or maybe two people in a room that didn't get what you said a couple times, but they probably got a majority of it. But you know what? Try to grab them before they leave, or they'll probably seek you out and ask you
0: questions about your talk. Awesome, awesome. Do you have anything uh, scheduled speaking speak engagements right now or any conferences that are coming up that people should look out for? Or?
1: We talked about branding a little while ago. I have a webinar next week on branding. I'm doing it with Annie Franceschi. She is the owner of Greatest Story Creative. I reached out to her and said, let's collaborate on a webinar. Uh, depending on when this comes out, it'll also be archived uh, with eye contact, so you can find that. It's going to be um, you know, about branding online and offline, kind of like for email marketing as well as just branding your company with business cards, logos, et cetera. I'm speaking in April at the Rx Insider Conference in Rhode Island, and that's going to be about email deliverability, which is a tough topic, but I think I have some great information to share. And I have a virtual conference coming up for marketing profs in May, and I'm
0: still looking for some more opportunities. Awesome. Last question for you before I let you go. One of the biggest hurdles for most people is, hey, I work a full-time job. Some of this stuff on the side's tough to do, or I don't know if even my employer wants me doing it because they don't think I'm focused. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you manage kind of, again, not only going back to the beginning, the planning for the day, but the support by the organization you work for and understanding that this is a greater gain for everyone when you're doing some other things and your name's out there.
1: Right. My question would be, do you work a job And probably the answer is some people are saying yes. Well, don't think of your job as just something that you go to, do work, and go home. Think of it as a career, as an opportunity that you are learning and making yourself better, developing skills and learning more. And I think part of your question was like maybe doing something outside of your current role, like a side hustle, right? I don't have time to do that. I I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know how. If you keep having those excuses, you'll never do it. There is no better time to be an entrepreneur than now. This is the best time to do it. I feel like not enough people are taking advantage of the tools that are available, You know, which, whether it's just the internet itself or the apps that are available. There's so many different things. Find something you like to do, amplify that, and find a way to monetize it is probably the advice I would give to everyone listening. And if you... Don't find the time. It's your own fault because other people are finding the time. It's just that what is more important to you? Now, obviously, some people are going to have certain situations in their life where it is physically impossible. I mean, earlier today, I was walking back from a food truck to grab lunch because I didn't even know if I was going to get lunch. And I said, oh, my God, I didn't even post to Instagram today. So I opened Instagram and created a story. I just said, hey – I'm so busy. I can't even post to social media, but I want to let everybody know I'm still alive. I'm still doing things. This is my post for today. And here's my sandwich. And that was it. Uh, you got, you have to do what you have to do to make sure you succeed in life, not just your career, but if you want to have a better life, do what makes you happy. And if you're not happy where you are, Start creating your exit plan. Peter Voog wrote a book, Six Months to Six Figures. And when I say that, you're probably thinking, oh, it's a get-rich-quick book. Like how do I become a millionaire in six months, right? Really what he wants you to do is make an exit plan to take your career and say in six months I want to start my own business and I'm going to leave. And he gives you kind of a blueprint on how to do that. He also has these motivational mixtapes where he's talking over music and tells you and inspires you to become a world class person and that's you know a father a mother a husband a wife business owner anything you can think of like just be world class overall it's really inspirational I highly recommend the book highly recommend his podcast highly recommend his mixtape uh, he's inspired me a lot to do some of the things i'm doing and he talks about that harmonious life versus a work life balance as well uh, he doesn't use work for all like i do but you know we have a lot of things in common awesome well Hank thanks so much for joining where where can everyone find you uh, if you just Google Hank Hoffmeyer, you'll find me everywhere. That's all my social channels. Uh, my website's hankhoffmeyer.com, and uh, the planner's on the front page. is a button for that, and my book, there's a button for that as well, instead of giving you a separate URL. If you're going to connect with me on LinkedIn, please just send me a note saying you heard me on this podcast or that we have something in common. Otherwise, you'll probably uh, not see a reply from me because I don't connect with someone that I don't know of or have met in person but Twitter, that's free to follow. Just go ahead and do that. And I
0: hope to see you online somewhere. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for joining today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Have a great one. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed another great interview there. And we're able to take some nuggets of wisdom, if you will, um, and, and apply those to your own daily lives right away. As always, any feedback you guys have is much appreciated. Um, my website, BrianOndraco.com, Instagram, Twitter, at brianandreco.com. Uh, go on Facebook, the Just Get Started podcast. But I really appreciate any feedback you guys can share. And also, if I can, you know, kind of throw a right hook here, I know, but um, if you guys have enjoyed this podcast, if you just leave a review on iTunes, on, you know, Google Play, wherever, just leave a little review, maybe you know, a quick message, five stars, hopefully. But hey, I understand you. I want, to, I want a, fair, a fair assessment. Um, but I hope you guys really can, can help me out there because trying to, you know, inspire others, motivate others to maybe start on their own journey. And if they can find it, if they can get encouragement of maybe some of the words that you've shared, um, that'll help them along their way. So thanks again for listening through. Um, I hope you guys join again next time, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Take care.
1: Get started!